This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, the Biden administration's focus on easing student debt has led to a new plan around income-driven repayment, which is designed to cut in half the amount that borrowers pay on a monthly basis. That also could very well increase the amount being forgiven by the federal government. A new report by the Penn Budget Model looks at this plan and shows that the costs attached to these changes could be even greater than estimates by the Education Department. Kent Smetters is faculty director of the Penn Wharton Budget Model, as well as professor of business economics and public policy here at the Wharton School. You'll also hear him as host of Your Money every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern time here on Sirius XM 132. Kent, great to have you back with us. Great to be back. So take us through the research here uh, and the importance that the Biden administration is placing on this component uh, as we kind of move into the future here. Sure. So the Biden administration is really trying to reform quite significantly the way the college education is paid for. No question, there's been plenty of college uh, price inflation over time. It's been, you know, uh, certainly biting for many people to try to pay back some of, some of those loans. And so they've broken it down into several components. One of those that everybody's familiar with probably at this point is just pure debt forgiveness or loan forgiveness, which we previously estimated would cost about $470 billion over 10 years. Um, it, it, the claim is that that would just be done once for existing students with existing debt um, who have otherwise separated from college, whether they graduated or not. Um, but then the question is what to do about um, new students and students going forward. So they've also proposed what's called income-driven repayment plan, where your payments are capped relative to your salary um, such payment plans already exist. There's, there's several of these, but this new plan would be much more generous and much more simplified and streamlined. So, therefore, the signups are probably going to be much larger than with existing plans. Right. So that that's the component I think that that your reporting focuses on uh, as a key component here is that the dynamics that would be in play in terms of being able to qualify for income driven repayment would open the door to more people, and then hence. The, the amounts that would uh, fall under the government's purview in terms of what would be basically forgiven, that increases significantly as well. Yes. In fact, we estimate that um, it, the IDR take-up rate that is uh, relative to what people are doing today is roughly around 33% of people uh, uh, with college debt are currently doing income-driven repayment. Uh, we estimate that that will increase about 70 to 75%. Um, and potentially uh, could even go a little bit higher than that. And so, um, and the reasons behind that is first, uh, how these calculations are made, they will say, you know, a certain part of your income will be exempt from the calculation because, you, you know, you have to uh, eat and be able to put housing over your head and so yeah. forth. So they are exempt that. Well, the amount that they're going to exempt uh, is going to increase. Uh, quite a bit to 225% of the uh, of the poverty guideline there, and then they're going to say other things like what's discretionary that's going to change, but also how much you have to pay back for most undergraduate uh, loans. It would only be up to five percent of your discretionary income, and then again the discretionary income will be a lot less than your actual income because they allow for all these allowances, sure. and that would 
pretty much be, say, over uh, uh, 10 years uh, if the loan balance is below 12000 and a little bit longer uh, uh, if the loan balances are, 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 are uh, higher than that. And so they also have other things that, like, you know, you can't, if you, even if you don't make full interest payments, they will pay those interest payments for you. They'll also do automatic enrollment if you're late. They'll also do simplify the sign-up and the recertification. Right. Um, so all those things are going to increase the take-up rate. Right. And, and so for many people, it just is, it's an easier decision to go the, ra- the route of an IDR plan than it would be to be in a non-IDR plan at this point. Yeah. Uh, yes, in fact, I think the IDR will become the default. People will assume that, and then the um, the non-IDR, the more standard, or what we call standard today, will actually become non-standard uh, in the future. So, you, and and this goes even as far as the application procedure as well, correct? Yeah, that's right. So the the application procedure will be uh, streamlined. Uh, you'll be automatically enrolled. In fact, if you have late payments. And then what's called the recertification, basically that will be almost uh, automatic because once they have your data for the initial application, mm-hmm. under current law, you'd have to reapply, recertify. In this case, they'll just go directly to the IRS and figure out your, your, your data and recertify you automatically. That window in which you have to make the repayments you note as well that would be cut. You mentioned the ten-year uh, window. It's it's what around twenty or twenty-five right now. So you're cutting that basically in half at this point. Yeah, that's right. And so uh, that will be for smaller balances. And then they have this kind of prorated thing that for every uh, additional thousand dollars of balance, the term of uh, forgiveness will go up beyond ten years, but it'll yeah. go up in these increments, smaller increments. So. Uh, our calculations suggest that uh, the vast majority of people, at least three-quarters of people, uh, potentially even up to 90%, but at least three-quarters of people are going to be better off just going um, on this IDR path. And that will, of course, increase the cost of the government. Now, a lot of the components we've talked about already are things that are already in play. You also note in the report that there are some components potentially that could come into play here in the years ahead and things that you you and Penn Wharton budget model want to keep an eye on to see how they develop as well. That's, that's right. So it's just taking up this take up rate thing uh, with sometimes what we call a static score. Both us and the Department of Education said this IDR program alone, not including the debt forgiveness that we talked about earlier, will cost about $140 billion over 10 years. However, our estimate for just Increasing the take-up rate um, says that it will go up to uh, from that 140 billion to closer to 350 billion dollars over 10 years. But that's not accounting for yet that actually a lot of students should re-optimize essentially and take out more loans uh, for college because this is now a really good deal for borrowing. And in fact, even if you could work that summer job, even if you could accumulate that 529 plan. Um, and maybe through your parents or grandparents, uh, they're all, uh, it's probably not optimal uh, mm-hmm. for a lot of students going forward to do that. And so you're going to see probably larger loan sizes. Right now, um, only uh, about 31% of the actual loan capacity um, that would be this program would cover is actually being utilized. Um, so there's a, you could easily take these numbers and almost triple them. 
um, to come up with uh, uh, if, if everybody kind of re-optimized and really took advantage of this, uh, it, it kind of in spades. So we want to understand that. That will have to be, you know, uh, subject to detailed analysis. Mm-hmm. Colleges themselves may increase tuition prices uh, and right. grab some of this as well. Right. And I was going to ask you about that, because seemingly if the door is open for students to borrow more money, then doesn't that to a degree incentivize potentially the colleges and universities to increase their costs, knowing that that's a byproduct of it? It is. In fact, what the evidence shows, in fact, this became known as the Bennett hypothesis over the years after Secretary Bennett and the Bush administration suggested this possibility, is that the Bennett hypothesis is basically right, especially for colleges that face less competition. Think about your Ivy League schools and even even the top 100, 150 schools throughout the uh the nation that face, you know, a lot less competition, mm-hmm. um, they have a lot more leverage here. So they will basically say, hey, this is cheaper for you. We know how incidence actually works. And, you know, in kind of tax theory, it, 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 sometimes the other party is able to grab it, the one who has more negotiation power. And so we suspect the colleges will increase prices. We already see this, by the way. We see certain colleges optimize heavily mm-hmm. around existing IDR programs. And so then um, the more competitive schools that face more competition for students, they all have a little less leverage here. But there's, So it won't go up all the way that colleges will just great, uh, you know, take all the benefit uh, from this uh, enhanced program. But certainly some colleges like you know, Ivy League schools will grab a large share of it. But seemingly the benefit here by going this route by the Biden administration is this opens the door to more p- uh, people being able to go to college and potentially go to these schools and not so much have to worry about the debt that they may have on the back end and at the same time be able to have more money in their pocket as they're out in the uh, in the business world in the first few years after college. Sure thing. Yeah, but ultimately, someone has to pay for this. It's, you know, it's, it's certainly not a free lunch. So the, the real question is, who are who's who's now going to go to college who otherwise would not have gone to college, what we call kind of the – uh, those at the margin. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, on one hand, I noticed from personal experience growing up below the poverty line, you know, college is one of the life's reset buttons that gives, you know, people another shot. And at the same time, from the evidence, is it's also true that you're also pulling in people who are not going to earn the same wage premium um, from going to college as uh, people are today. And so um, the fact of the matter is, you know, we think about some of the trades, you know, electrician and plumbing and so forth, they pay pretty well. And not, we don't necessarily want to be pulling those people into a four-year uh, degree. Yeah. And so it's, uh, there's going to be these, these trade-offs and a, and a big debate about how targeted is this really. Kent, great to have you with us today. Thanks for a few moments. All the best. Great, Dan. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Ken Smetters, Faculty Director at the Penn Wharton Budget Model, Professor of Business Economics and Public Policy here at the Wharton School. And, of course, every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, the host of Your Money right here on Sirius XM 132. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.